to keep you waiting, folks. Complicated business. It's super complicated. I've always wanted to say that. You have? Yeah. Why? Well, that's what Trump said when he walked out at 3 a.m. on uh, November 4th, November 5th, 2016. Mm-hmm. All beautifully understated. So you want to be like Trump is what you're saying? No, not necessarily. It's just quoting, you know, a big figure in global politics. Okay. I've quoted many big figures in global yeah. politics. Yeah. Big as in physically large. Ah, he's that too. Yeah. Six foot two, you know that? Yeah. It towers over most people. Yeah. Yes. So, so France, um, France has fallen. It has? Yeah. That's old news, Neil. <laughs> it's old news to some. I, I was like browsing just to, just to check because it did go away, right? The, the news that, quote, France had fallen last week. And yeah, it stopped. The riots have stopped. But like, here's Sky News Australia. They have that as their thumbnail image on the reporting on it. Breathless. France has fallen, which was what the Twitterati were saying last week. Uh, but I won't show it. Because as soon as you play it, you can't see it. It's just a thumbnail. You know what I mean? It's not a headline. It's not a headline per se. Anyway. Published two days ago, four days after the riots ended, two million views. Mm-hmm. And the entire spin on it is failed immigration policy. The entire commentary under it on YouTube is, yeah. France, oh, oh dear, too many darkies. <laughs> you know, it's like it, the conversation is a week late, mainstream, good job. Um, it's wrong. It was, it, was, it was a wrong hot take at the time. Mm. We talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. And then um, it's a wrong discussion about what the problem is. These are not recently arrived migrants. Mm-hmm. They're kids born in France, mm-hmm. whose parents were born in France, whose grandparents came to France Some at the government's invitation mm-hmm. following colonialism and all of that, going way back almost 100 years. So anyway, we, 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 we talked about it last week because it was the hot current thing, right? And, it, and everyone's talking about it. So usually that's because something is presumably going to happen for a while, right? It's, it's going to last, it's going to be in the news. No, as, as we kind of guessed last week, it went away. Mm-hmm. At least the extreme rioting has stopped yep. Monday, Tuesday. Well. It's not completely over. There are now protests in France against the police brutality of the week before. But it's unclear, like, are they which is kind of a non-issue in itself because actually the main discussed issue inside France was where where were the police? They were very much hands-off while mm. gangs of yeah. kids ran riot. I think it morphed into this week a, a few kind of, a, you know, here and there, Black Lives Matter uh, protests in France. Yeah. So there's one so nothing. yesterday, a clip of a cop being rough on some guy and he was the brother of or family relative of um, Traore, Adam Traore. He was a kid who was killed by cops during a chase back in like 2016 or something. So there's a few things piling on together. Now there are protests, actual organized protests, by civil rights groups slash the aggrieved uh, victims' families. Yeah. It's not, it's but it's the not the same thing. It's, the not, yeah. it's not the rioting. That rioting has stopped. Mm-hmm. No. Um, anyway, th- let this just be a lesson for people in, you know, 
instant hot takes. Like uh, we discussed last week, we compared the writing in France with a previous iteration of this back in 2005, which now, because this one ended, uh, the one in 2005 was at least twice as bad. In numbers of cars torched, numbers of places, buildings burned. It was two weeks long as well. It lasted three weeks. It was a state of emergency. A state of emergency was not declared here for this one. Um, so, you know, uh, France has not fallen. It's very much still alive, mm. <laughs> you know. Um, there's an interesting aside to this, though, besides just the um, danger of getting pulled into uh, whatever's happening right now. And, and thinking that it's, you know, oh, my God, the whole country's on fire. It's it's not. But um, The Spectator has this report. I think, I presume this was kind of fairly widely reported on French media because The Spectator is a, a British magazine. Um, but they're, uh, they're quoting French media reports, including footage, um, I presume there's footage because there's, there's a detailed description of what happened. Mm-hmm. Let's just read the first couple of paragraphs. Um, so this is from three days ago as of now. Who really helped end the French riots? It wasn't It wasn't President Macron who brought six days of rioting in France to an end, nor the brave bands of mothers who called for calm in some of the inner city estates. It wasn't even the presence of 45,000 police and gendarmes on the streets that persuaded the rioters, arsonists, vandals and looters to stand down. According to police, it was the drug gangs who decided enough is enough. Having so many boys in blue patrolling the streets was bad for business, and so gang leaders exerted their influence and ordered the young hoodlums back to their bedrooms. That at least was the news broken to Macron at the start of this week when he dropped by a police station in the 17th arrondissement of Paris. Pressing the flesh with his worn-out police officers, Macron asked, But these kids, who do they listen to? Back came the response, The dealers, Monsieur le Président. That I can believe. That does not surprise... That is, like, definitely in the ballpark of of, of how that would have ended. Uh, maybe not how why it would have started. I don't see... Maybe it was a genuinely, like, angry outburst... But isn't that that's amazing that that, that is what they would listen to mm-hmm. and how it would end, um, which speaks to something you spoke about last week about the kind of organisation, informal or formal, that you would have in these banlieues slash no go zones. No go no go zones in the sense the police generally don't go there. Mm-hmm. They are indeed local law enforcement is gangs. Uh, mm-hmm. There's always someone bigger than you. Mm-hmm you know, more brutal and so on. And that creates a form of internal order and security. Um, and that speaks to the the, 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 the networks. Um, this also reminds me of something else. Um, you recall that um, in the proxy war in Syria, all told 10,000 European jihadi, what, European Muslims mm-hmm. went into Syria. Mm. And that was always like a mystery. How are they getting there? Oh my God, who's paying for the airfares and shit like that? Well, they did investigations. There were studies. And you know, it was super dodgy because they were basically 
allowed to go mm-hmm. slash encouraged to go. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> um, this is a huge report, but we'll just read, I think, one paragraph from the abstract. Um, remember, these are Muslim. These aren't recently arrived Muslims who quickly go back to Syria to join the war. They're European citizens from Sweden, Belgium, France, the UK, born and bred locally, and then they end up in Syria or elsewhere, maybe Libya. So this is a report from the Combating Terrorist Terrorism Center from way back in 2017. At West Point, okay, so it's a big U.S. military study. Crime as jihad, developments in the crime-terror nexus in Europe. So scroll down. I think it's just the first paragraph in the abstract. Um, let me see what I have in mind. Uh, okay. In 2017, officers from the United Kingdom's Counterterrorism Command arrived at an address in East London to arrest a man for disseminating propaganda. Through several online platforms, Nordin Abdullah had been publishing jihadi content, yet when searching his home and car, police found crack cocaine. Abdullah was charged with two apparently contradictory offences, disseminating terrorist propaganda and possession with intent to supply Class A drugs. His case reaffirms a pattern seen throughout Europe, as detailed in the author's 2016 report, criminal past, terrorist futures, of criminals, both former and current, becoming involved in jihadism. The trend is apparent throughout Europe. From Germany, 66, two-thirds, 66% of foreign fighters, that is, foreign from Syria's perspective, but actually European-born citizens who are Muslims, right? Two-thirds of the foreign fighters in Syria that came from Germany, had police records prior to traveling to Syria, um, according to analysis of 778 jihadis. In the Netherlands, similar figure, 64% of Dutch-born Muslims who went to Syria to fight as jihadists for ISIS or Nusra or whoever had been subject to criminal reports. From France, 48%, nearly half, of the jihadis were already known to the police for delinquency. Um, And I know it doesn't give any more detail, probably because it wasn't known yet since that report was made. Um, That's all I'll cite from there, but you get the idea. Uh, Since that report was made, there was a big um, multi-suspect trial of those implicated in the Bataclan and surrounding cafe mm-hmm. and Stade de France incidents in the multi-site terror attack of 2015. Mm-hmm. Well, you remember, you probably remember a couple of figures who became more the high-profile figures, one of whom fled to Belgium and he was arrested in a kind of a banlieue of Brussels. Well, that guy was a head honcho for a drugs Mm-hmm. Network from one of the Bonlios in Paris. Mm-hmm. That was his. That was his the point background. Being, the point being that the <clears throat> the connections or the relationship between the state, state security, specifically state, Paris state. Well, the states. Well, state security forces. Let's say yeah. uh, intelligence, overt, uh, even over state security forces. Okay. A lot of these people are known, obviously known. And that's, uh, that's if often, they have a background, yeah. well, it's often been said that the in, in in reports, official reports, you know, mainstream media reports about these terror attacks that the, some of the suspects were known to police, uh, and that they had had run-ins with the police before. So there's basically an enduring connection between 
overt and most likely therefore covert state uh, security forces and um, people who turn out to be terrorists who commit terrorist attacks in Europe and also, like you're saying, which is the point of what you got onto this for, people who end up going to... Um, the same people are sent, essentially, by um, European states, you know, intelligences, security forces, to conflicts that this your Western states are waging in, for example, Syria or Libya, etc. Yeah. There's a cadre of, um, of criminal in- individuals with the right ideology, let's say they're Muslims and their criminal backgrounds, and they're basically, they're, they become effectively agents of the of yeah, Western powers. Effectively. Uh, they're well known, they're, they're tracked. So like in those figures you give, like of a different, different European country, 64%, 70%, 50% in France, of, of uh, the jihadis being, uh, being criminals, having criminal backgrounds, being known to the, known to the security forces, the police beforehand. There's no way they get on a plane and go, all of them get to go to Syria without it, it being known by the, by the police, you know, because um, they're, they're, they're red flagged, right? Long before that, they're red flagged. So that if they go to Syria to fight, so they're basically like mercenaries. They're sent as mercenaries in a certain sense. Or they're given the opportunity to go. Not, not, not that they're paid necessarily. And of course, in the case of Syria, because they can't train them here, um, because that would look bad. Or maybe they do. Probably not, though. They send them to Syria. In the case of Syria, they were training. There was a training they're, camp they're, in they're Belgium. Tra- they know about that. Yeah, but a lot of the training was actually going on in Syria yeah. for the uh, so-called... Syrian revolutionaries um, going on and it was being funded and paid for and the training was happening as part of uh, the US's, US and European states' uh, involvement in, in that attempt in Syria to overthrow this Assad government. So yeah, it's uh, I don't have a network there, you know. Yeah, definitely. I don't have it to hand, but I remember at least one SOT report where we picked up from local French media that there was a guy who was due back, who was flying back in to France from an excursion in Syria and he was about to be picked up and DG, DGSI French intelligence stepped in and said no 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 it's okay we've got this we'll take it from here mm-hmm. thank you to the mm-hmm. local police <laughs> you know yeah. that probably effectively we don't know we have to speculate as to how much that happens yeah. you've got to wonder though like it's as old as it's as old as, as, it, old as you've got a criminal record and someone comes to you and says okay so uh, here's Here's, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. Well, look at we'll me. either put you in prison or you agree to do this or you, for us. Or you've been in prison and you're, and you're out and you're still up to no good or whatever. And um, yeah, we have stuff on you. But also, you know, you don't know what, to what extent those people actually wanted to go to Syria if they thought that there was uh, you know, money to be made or yeah. a, a LARP to be had, you know. Yeah, uh, sure. And I mean, it speaks to Wagner as well, you know. Uh, where Wagner gets all, a lot of its recruits from, 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 former, Prisons. from former prisoners, you know. But it goes back to like it's 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 I mean it's been a mainstay of warfare for for a very long time that recruitment of some form of mercenary soldiers who are outside not not uh, the rank and file soldiers enlisted enlisted uh, soldiers they're irregulars let's say and they've always been part of conflicts I mean, even in Ireland you know you had the black and tans were a lot of more prisoners uh, who were sent to Ireland to work alongside the British mm. or English forces in Ireland for you know on, on on several different occasions in the nineteen in the 20th century as well. Here's a question now. <clears throat> if we've now found the evidence of the beef of a structure within these no-go zones that could be used in theory, 
if they can be stopped abruptly, a break mm-hmm. overnight, don't can they be started that way? The reason I'm asking is because there is it's. It needs to be um, organic in a certain sense, but it, it takes on a life of its own, you know. But mm. I think uh, there you get into you'd have to go to the point that some people have suggested that there was some kind of conspiracy involved in the actual to shooting. To give about, France shooting. a problem because of its the actual proximity to bricks, China. Yeah. No, but in, in, in the specific case of France and the shooting of that kid, you have to get into uh, conspiracy theories that the kid was shot deliberately by the cop in order to provoke the riots. So that, that's kind of going too far. Like That's what I'm saying. They're usually some kind of a, an organic, natural... Uh, event that kicks it off, you know, um, and then it spreads on social media and stuff. Um, people get out, a lot of kids just get out and LARPing and stuff. The same was Ferguson riots, different riots that have happened over in, in the US over the years, over the past 10 years or so. Um, you never know majority, which one will kick something off. Yeah, anything can kick it off, you know, and uh, it just has to be the right kind of um, combination of, of events, the right. Uh, Right person, you know, lots of video evidence of it. It has to hit people in the right way. Then you just get kids, generally teenagers and, and maybe a bit older, out just rioting. That's what it is. That's what it was in France. It was just, it was just kids smashing no, nothing, nothing yeah. better to do. Yeah. yeah, but there's there's that element in every society, you know. Yeah. So it's not not that strange, you know, in that sense, you know. Um, but yeah, France hasn't fallen. It lives another day. None of it gets back up again. None of the major cities in France have yes. None of the major cities in France have actually burned to the ground. Um, yeah, they're still they're still mostly there. Maybe singed around the edges or something, but mostly there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. anyway, France hasn't fallen. We can confirm that France hasn't fallen. Just in case anybody thinks yeah. it has, or it did, and then got back up again. It didn't actually fall. Uh, it stumbled. It didn't even stumble. It didn't even stumble. It was just, uh, yeah, kids gone wild, basically. Teenagers gone wild. Um, In other pop culture news, um, the release of this movie, Sound of Freedom. Mm. Uh, Did you watch it? Over July 4th. No, we can't watch it because they've gone for cinema release. Probably to get maximum... Exposure to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's mind blowing is, um, I mean, it's a. I, I we haven't seen it. Can't really comment on the quality of it. For what it's worth, Jordan Peterson interviewed um, Tim Ballard about whom the movie's about, along with Jim Caviezel, the actor who plays Tim Ballard, and said he has watched it himself. So presumably, it's um, available in cinemas in Canada, um, and he thought it was great. You know, good movie well made etc so it probably is high high production values and whatnot. but still it's a movie it's a movie about exposing a penal network overseas in Haiti right a specific rescue operation and the movie about the dramatization about this true event from like 10 years ago has topped the box office records the most ticket sales on July 4th weekend, which is typically, you know, whichever the summer blockbusters are in the major, major studios, it was up against the new Indiana Jones movie and it beat that. Uh, maybe you put that one up from Newsweek mm-hmm. just so people have, see what I'm talking about. Sound of Freedom beats Indiana Jones, an incredible box office coup. Um, the, the backstory to this is nuts. People, I'm, probably most of our listeners know uh, about this. Um, uh, 
like I said, Jordan Peterson's interviewed Tim Ballard. You can check that out. That's that's well worth watching. Um, uh, the movie was actually finished in 2018. It was wrapped up then. Mm-hmm. It's been in limbo for five years because I think it was Fox Studios folded and was bought out by um, Walt Disney Corp. Mm-hmm. Who then said, "No, we're not going to show." It. Mm-hmm. And so Ballard and the other producers have spent well almost five years trying to fight to get the rights, and mm-hmm. they did eventually buy the rights out last year. Um, and now it's been put up by a Angel Studios, some new. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If Ballard had a hand in setting that up, and of course the mystery media didn't take long to round on it when they saw it getting some traction, getting that kind of traction. Uh, the mystery media round on it. Uh, what do we have? Who, who do we have? Did you show me one other on from. Oh, I don't have it to hand. Um, well, from the Guardian. Uh, yeah, but but they all have the, the same thing. What the same tack? Um, let's find it here. I shouldn't take long. Uh, Sound of Freedom, the Guardians film review. They put it in film review section, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. This is like in the propaganda section. But then it's all propaganda these days, isn't it? Okay, Scotty can put this one up. This is the Guardian's review. They're not alone in this. Rolling Stone, USA Today, the whole the whole system was activated, probably as a result of this thing, this movie topping the box office charts. Um, this is the kind of headline they had. Um, Sound of Freedom, the QAnon-adjacent thriller, Seducing America. Mm-hmm. QAnon adjacent what the fuck are you talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> Jim Caviezel stars the hero trying to stop child traffickers and a paranoid hmm, really new movie turning into a surprise box office hit paranoid okay right so the, the sh- that's all that's, that's all our horseshit right mm-hmm. so the facts of it are Tim Ballard's Operation Underground Railroad is a real organization. Mm-hmm. And he really did go into places. I don't think in the US, it's all overseas, but he's motivated because ultimately the child porn, the abuse is all, the, the ultimate consumers of it <clears throat> are all back in the United States. Mm-hmm. Or, it's, or it's, it's, it's pedophile tourism. It's Americans going to mm-hmm. Colombia, Mexico, Haiti, etc. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so while he was working for Homeland Security 15 odd years ago when he left, uh, he realized that the limits of what he could do as a U.S. cop overseas, he had to hand in his badge and he went private. And that's where Operation Underground Railroad um, emerges. And they basically co- liaise with local authorities and convince them that they should do a bust. They do sting operations and they've rescued, I think, something like several thousand kids at this point and led to... <coughs> Another about a thousand actual convictions in mm-hmm. these countries of people who are abducting kids for sale uh, to sex tourism and then offer shipping overseas. They disappear into the United States mainly. Not only though. Anyway, that's a real thing. Uh, when I heard about that like first a couple of years ago, that sounds too good to be true. Surely I look for dirt on it, on Ballard, on his organization. There mm-hmm. must be some U.S. spook linked to it. No, it's above board. He, he was indeed. Initially, he was CIA. Then he was seconded to Homeland Security. And then he went private. 
but there's nothing hidden about him. It's all above board. Jordan Peterson's interview with him last week is worth listening to because Peterson said, well, let's start with the worst things they say about you and get that out of the way. And there's basically two reports. One is in a Vice magazine report and the other's Slate or something. And it's one of the complaints is, yeah, the funding and the accounting is off here. And the other one is that the, the, his methods and tactics harm the kids, says an expert from back home, a psycho- child psychologist or mm-hmm. something back in the U.S. says, no, you shouldn't be doing that. You ultimately harm the kids because of the violence of going in with guns blazing oh, and yeah. trying to rescue so them. So it's better to leave them So it's be better abused. to leave them alone, that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, leave, them, leave them to a life of, uh, of abuse. It, it is an amazing story. And it's well worth hearing. Mm. So the movie, uh, if, for those of you not in the U.S. or Canada, apparently, who can, won't be able to watch this for a while, the movie is essentially a d- dramatic recreation of events already available in the documentary. The documentary, I'll put the link to it here, um, has been up since, I presume, the year before the movie about the documentary was made um, 2017, maybe 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, sending it to Scott now. Um, so the movie is basically a, a reconstruction of this event, which was called Operation Toussaint. Toussaint being because it was uh, a bust they did in Haiti. It's just an hour and 20 minutes long. It's, I, I enjoyed it. It's very good. It's only focusing on one case. Um, mm-hmm. People check it out, though. Like the movie, it also focuses on one case. This is obviously a horrific topic. A subject matter, it doesn't show anything sick, but it gives you kind of the... It's, 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 it's ironic, actually. It's the opposite of modern movie making, which is forcing you to look at the gore, the sex, um, the flesh. You know what I mean? Whereas this is actually the way movie making and documentaries making used to be done. Mm-hmm. The facts are there. The <clears throat> intimations of what goes on are there, but it doesn't shove your face in it. I was actually afraid to watch that documentary for so long because I'm like, this is such a horrific topic. I, I really don't want to subject myself to this, but it's well made. It's, it, it, it brings you into it without having to, you know, mm-hmm. just terrify you or horrify you about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the media has gone full tonto associating QAnon with it. Well, what's the association? You notice that it, they, they don't attack Tim Ballard. Mm. Like I say, he seems to be clean as a whistle, that guy. Mm-hmm. But they attack the actor. Usually it's the other way around. The actor is just the actor. Because he's Christian. Because he's Christian. And because Caviezel, well, what's the QAnon thing about? Well, in the intervening five years while this movie was shelled, basically, that's a form of corporate censorship, right? Well, we're not releasing it because we don't want to. Well, mm-hmm. can we have it back? No. Anyway, it took five years. Caviezel was still going around with Ballard and promoting it, sometimes mm-hmm. on his own, though. And Caviezel would maybe go into other subjects mm-hmm. or extrapolate from it and connect it with his own research and say other things. So the key part is a promo video. He's talking about the upcoming feature movie, which was like, only just released, but it's from actually 2021 when he's doing a promo interview about it mm-hmm. to a crowd in the United States. And Caviezel mentions the A word, mm-hmm. adrenochrome. Now, at the time, adrenochrome right. associated with QAnon because the conspiracy theory, the fully fleshed out version of it was our elites have institutionalized basically child 
kidnapping and trafficking, one element of which is specifically to terrify them and kill them at that exact moment and extract from them this adrenochrome, mm-hmm. right? There's no evidence for the fully fleshed out thing. There, there are all these little elements of it that pop up in specific incidences, but then someone built the QAnon story about it where it's a fact and they're all in on or if they're mm-hmm. not all in, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that then is why QAnon, one of the key reasons, one was obviously the, the support for Trump, but the key tie-in with that made QAnon an untouchable mm-hmm. was the A-word. So Caviezel mentioned that on Passant, but I don't think he even, he did it, he did it innocently. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be a word that was being used at the time, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And But he, he had in mind specific instances he was aware of where Tim Ballard had told him, or he had read his works. Tim Ballard's also written books, so you can check out his stuff as well. Apparently, he's a great writer, so he had books on, on his work as well. So Caviezel was aware of specific instances where they found shitholes I don't know where, everywhere from Africa to Haiti to Bogota, Colombia, where there was actual evidence that kids had been carved up, mm-hmm. whether they were alive, <clears throat> whether yeah. they were sent to Washington or whoever. Probably not. It was probably... Yeah. Well, it just, it, it exposes the, the cynicism and complete lack of integrity amongst the media. Like, uh, we use an example of The Guardian, they're slamming it for being QAnon, simply because the actor has these associations. Yeah. Uh, when, it's con- when the actor just played the role... What's that got to do with the content of the movie? Like, why would the Guardian like try and diminish the importance of this movie and, and reduce its its spread amongst the population and you know people seeing it and being aware of this stuff going on simply yeah. simply because they don't like that the, the actors' politics has nothing to do with the content of the movie that was that was produced by a guy who is like you said unimpeachable. So it's complete like disregard for for. Um, for the actual children, there's no like, and this is coming from the bleeding heart lefty, lefty liberal, what lefty, yeah. lefty guardian that is meant to be, you know, you know, even one death is too much type thing, right? <laughs> yeah. But if you just throw up that that picture I sent you before, Scotty, uh, this is an example of like the Guardian recognize at least has given voice to this before, like back in um, huh. 2018, they re- they recognize that the child sex trafficking is rife in Colombia's picturesque Cartagena, and then. Five years later, just because they don't like the politics of an actor who's playing in a fact-based movie about that very thing that they were complaining of, that they were, yeah. uh, you know, denouncing or, or complaining about five years previously, they they decide to trash this movie. So, so where I mean, how, how where's the kind of integrity there? You know what I mean? Where's the editorial? kind of line, if you know what I mean, that, that, that the Guardian is there to uphold the rights of the poor and the oppressed and the, you know, victimized. Yeah. They, they totally diss that. So it shows that they have no real concern for people or children or anybody, like, as they pretend, because that could be tossed out the window, in this case, over simply disagreeing with the actor in a movie's politics, yeah. which are... Not related to the movie at all. Yeah. Not in the movie and not related to the movie. I know. And, and you, you know that they know that when the title, as we read out earlier, is Sound of Freedom, the QAnon adjacent. Yeah. 
we know that this is only an association, but, but we're, we're still going to use it anyway. We're still going to trash it, yeah. To trash it. I mean, the only way you could get consistency, if you put the, the, that side by side back up for a sec, Scotty, the only way you get consistency, you notice that the 2018 article is under women's rights and gender equality. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's maybe the proper place it should be placed, okay? Well, the 2023 one, I don't know, what would it be under pedophiles' rights? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Child sex traffickers' rights? Yeah. I mean, anyway. Yeah, like Rolling Stone. You mentioned Rolling Stone uh, trashed it as well. Um, the movie or, or smeared it in that way as well. But if you, like back in uh, a few years ago, two or three years ago, there was this movie called Cuties, which was a French movie. And it's basically about, it was a movie that was, you know, promoting the sexualization of children. It was about a bunch of Muslim kids in France and Paris somewhere or whatever uh, who, uh, you know, came across twerking and, uh, you know, um, Kind of, that kind of, uh, you know, sexualized, the kind of twerk, yeah. not just twerking, but it was like the whole... Dressing uh, up arena, and drag and... Arena of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, showing off. Uh, and it was all about, and, and they claim it was a coming, you know, they came out and said, this is a coming of age movie, but it basically showed like prepubescent girls, sexual, it, it was it sexualized, the whole movie, like typically French, right? Typically sexualized. Uh, pubescent girls and it was on Netflix and um, it was promoted it was promoted by people like the Rolling Stone so they promote that kind of thing which is <clears throat> you know and the sexualization of young children in that way obviously is directly related to the abuse of young children and child sex trafficking yeah so Rolling Stone promotes this which normalizes normalizes that sexualization and therefore leading to more likely abuse of children uh yeah. you know a few years ago but a movie that actually exposes what's actually going on and informs the public about how this is actually happening Rolling Stone smears it yeah so cool yeah it's awesome anyway uh, 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 cocaine found at the White House last week yeah who done it it's a mystery uh, I wonder, wonder who was strolling around the White House gardens. I thought it was so, interesting I, that it came Dad, I'm just going to pop out here for a minute. Uh, I'll be back in a second. <laughs> and they tried to dismiss. Well, we're checking the visitor logs. It wasn't yeah. in the visit. It was in no. the fucking West Wing. Well, he does. He does he, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Hunter Biden doesn't sign into the White House. So, um. it, It's gas to me that the people associated uh, mistakenly, you can understand why, it came out at the same time that the... New York Post ran an article that Hunter had been caught. He didn't even catch. He was never. He's never caught doing this stuff. He films himself doing it. Somehow, I don't know how. Maybe this is part of the laptop footage. There's footage of, or at least stills from a video of him smoking crack on his way to Las Vegas mm-hmm. uh, when he clocks up doing like 172 miles an hour or something like that. Was he stopped by police? Was I? Don't, I don't know. But it was. That came out at the same time as the coke in the White House, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all doing. I mean, here, look, this is from. Um, you know, I, and in fairness, the United States still has. It's not completely shot through yet. A kind of moral back backbone, or a, a, a shared mythos about the moral expectations of our leadership in general, mm-hmm. such that there was an NBC or ABC anchor, maybe an older woman, so she's more likely to be shocked. She's hearing about this, and the reporter on the ground is confirming, yes, it was cocaine. And she's like, 
okay, this is not good. This really, no, this, <laughs> the poor woman. Well, look at this from, um, this is from, this is from England a couple of years ago. Uh, I don't know, last summer actually. Um, and it wasn't the first such report. It had already been found, I think they found coke, traces of cocaine all over the Houses of Parliament years before that. And this one was from Chequers. Chequers is the residence of the Prime Minister. Like the, kind of like the White House, the resident where they actually live while they're in term. Coke Guardian uh, 2022, traces of suspected cocaine found after parties in then Prime Minister Liz Truss's Grace and Favour House, say staff. Yeah, they're all on the coke. It's not just Zelensky. <laughs> That's why they picked him, you know. They understood him. Uh, Scumbags. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, <laughs> I can't have to rag on the media. Like, I mean, it's easy to rag on CNN and stuff, right? Um, check check this out. Uh, this is just from, like, right now. I think it's still on the page right now, on CNN's main page. Um, it reminded me of uh, Nord Stream 2 and stuff, you know. Uh, just the, the kind of coyness uh, or the... Uh, obtuseness, I don't know. Um, Ukraine appears to claim responsibility for Crimean bridge blast. So it's like... Um, yeah. They flash back six months and officially they didn't Six months it. later they say they, it looks like they might have done that. So you have a war, right, between two countries basically, right? And during, in the middle of that war, a strategic bridge belonging to one of the warring parties gets blown up and nobody's allowed to say that the other party of the conflict probably did you can't say that until there's some kind of official recognition nobody's allowed to draw any conclusions even the ones that are staring you in the face and are just like you know as plain as a nose in your face type thing like it's not even it's not even it's not even um uh, it's not even a hot take or it's not even a, you know, a, a subjective analysis. You know what I mean? It's like in a war, like, like should, we start, should we start saying, you know, um, when you see any footage of Russian tanks or armored personnel carriers or whatever destroyed on Ukrainian territory, we shouldn't say that that was Ukraine did that. Right? No. No. Because no, no, it, it hasn't it, been officially confirmed. So I know this is a war, and I know there are only two people fighting against each other on the ground. There are Russian tanks and there are Ukrainian tanks. If you see Ukrainian tanks, say you see images of Russian and Ukrainian tanks in, a, in, in, a, in the same location, in, a, in a close proximity to each other, and then a day later you see a Russian tank that has been destroyed, don't make the mistake of assuming that it was the Ukrainians that destroyed that tank, okay? I know you might think you know about war and that people shoot, each, shoot at each other in war, but that's not always the case. And, and but that's not... That's, that's, uh, I, that's my analogy. <laughs> that's your analogy, and it's ridiculous. Why? Why is it ridiculous, though? Because if you suspect or know, maybe it is actually the case, that it's Russian military that got hit, then you're supposed to applaud and amplify it. Even if you're not sure, just, just same, go... I'm applying the same logic. If, if you apply the same logic. But do you know the reason why you don't? 
because it's unpatriotic if you're a Westerner to point out that Ukraine and probably the CIA and MI6 through them carried out a terrorist attack on a civilian facility in Russia proper. And everyone, it's like... Um, it's not a civilian. What's his name? It's not, it's George Orwell said this uh, in his description of a journalist auto-censoring. He or she knows when to hold back from saying something like that. Oh, we're not going to claim that. That's like Nord Stream. Mm. Oh, no, no. We don't know. There's an official investigation. No one knows. You, you, can't, you can't claim that the CIA did it. No, no one has said that. You can't even claim but that. But they're that, all you can't even agreeing claim, you can't not even, to say that. You can't even claim that Russia didn't do it. Right. Is that not taking it a bit far? In fact, not only can you not claim that Russia didn't do it, you are allowed in your analysis of the situation to leave open the, possi- leave open the possibility that Russia did do it. Also, the drones over the Kremlin. Maybe, right. maybe Putin, False flag. Putin, Putin droned himself. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, there, is there a limit to that uh, auto-censorship uh, in terms of, like, I mean, do you, do you take it so far that you can no longer uh, employ even the, a, a modicum or the very base, a basic level of critical thinking and, like, of observation of reality and draw the most likely conclusion? You're not allowed to do that. <clears throat> and since officially, gets, no. Since there's, there's no limit. Since everybody gets their information from the media, or that's what they'd like to think, that everybody gets their information from the media, everybody else then, the population must also suspend any, any kind of assessment of the situation. You're not allowed to use your brain at all. You're not allowed to use your brain to analyze anything happening of any importance in the world until you hear it confirmed from an, an authoritative source via the media. Until then, you don't know anything, Right. Right. You, you you basically just take your brain out, kick it down the kick it down the drain, and just sit there like a moron, drooling on yourself, <laughs> until you get the the news bite from CNN that at some point in the future it has been confirmed that some of the some of the soldiers that have died in Ukraine were in fact shot by Russians, and vice versa, because. Uh, you may not know this, but in a war, there are usually two parties at least, and they shoot at each other, and sometimes they actually kill each other. So that's just letting you know from an authoritative source that that's what's actually going on. Now you may go back to your drooling. <laughs> it's, it's drooling? That's where they want you to go. That's obviously with that yeah. kind of reporting. That's, yeah. where you, that's where they want you to, to be. Yeah. <clears throat> Stop thinking. At all. Like during COVID, they expressly send out the command... Whatever you do, do not do your own research online. Absolutely. Do not yeah. go down the rabbit hole. Don't do anything. Don't, ex- don't, don't it, think. Sometimes it's expressly stated, but usually it doesn't have to be. People will automat- automatically, if they're inured in it, maybe because they're brain dead and drooling, but also many of them are conscious. I think they know and they, I'm not they understand ideologically, well, hang on, the maximum we ought to follow is anything that makes our side look good and makes the other side, the Russians, look bad mm-hmm. is good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's true or false. There's mm-hmm. a war fucking going on. We're going to win this war or else it's all over. You know, they buy into that. Mm-hmm. We have to win. They've been convinced you know, that this is, this is indeed existential in their personal lives. It's not it's existential for rich Western elites, but they, are, they start to, you know, what makes Master happy 
make me happy, you know, and, and our but, lives are intertwined. Yeah. I must like, follow the maximum. But in the example I give there of the CNN headline, they take it so far yeah. that they deny people the information or they, they, they try to prevent people from drawing a conclusion. People who are supportive of Ukraine, who are yeah. in the Western camp, they try to prevent them from drawing a conclusion that would make them happy, make them feel like they're winning the war, that would be good propaganda from the Western point of view, as in Ukraine or whoever, their allies, blew up Russia's illegal bridge connecting Russia proper to Crimea, which was illegally annexed, and therefore it was a legitimate military target, and there was no problem as you know, blowing it up or attacking it. You're not allowed to say that even. You're meant to auto-censor, self-censor, because just don't draw any conclusions. Don't let any people draw any conclusions. Have them entirely dependent on us and string them out. Yeah. Don't let them think at all. Stop them thinking and make them wait, 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 wait. And then even, even now only say, what do they say? It seems like may have, you know. Uh, it appears that something the conspiracy theorist said six months ago is actually true. May have been true, <laughs> but may we can't confirm until we hear from the State Department. Um, Let's check in on how the counteroffensive is going. Go ahead. Let's see. That, the, the, this is the counteroffensive to beat all counteroffensives, counter right? This is the one that's going to take back Crimea, oh, two weeks ago for Ukraine. Um, this is footage from this week. Armored convoy somewhere in Zaporizhia region uh, on its way to actually engage Tra the Russians. Trying to head south, yeah. Can I have a little bit of sound, maybe? Turn it up a bit. There's actually footage of uh, the Russians observing this. Boom. And they just keep coming. They're talking about brain dead, brain dead dueling idiots. Like they just come one after the other. Boom, 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 boom. It was a minefield. I thought it was a minefield. I it presumed is. it, but I, th I think it might have been artillery no, strikes. No, it's no. Mines, yeah. That's why there's so many. Yeah. Yeah. That. There's another one. Oh, it's yeah. separate. Yeah, I, my first blink was there has to be a minefield, but then it was being reported in another video I saw where, no, they were actually targeted artillery strikes, but Don't, that's too many. Yeah. That's too many all at once. Yeah. Uh, no, there's a lot of, I mean, that's part of the Russian defenses that they set up in the south to protect that southern area that they've taken of, uh, of Crimea, leading, you know, in front of, front of Crimea, the southern area of, of Ukraine. Um Part of their defences, the first line of defences are, are usually kind of minefields, you know, yeah. uh, and behind that's various rows of of kind of segmented uh, rows of trenches from which, well, there's artillery and troops and all that kind of stuff. So it's like they're just all right, come ahead, you know. So first of all, try and get through the minefield, and then when you're trying to get through the minefield, you know, you will also hit you with artillery and stuff. So they're basically screwed. Yeah, the offensive isn't going anywhere. Hence the reason that. They've announced that they're sending, Americans are sending, in the, in the new upcoming tranche of, of weapons deliveries, they're sending uh, cluster bombs, cluster munitions, um, 
which are illegal, which the US has repeatedly and most countries in the world have all kind of uh, either banned or said that they're, uh, they're using them effectively constitutes a war crime and it shouldn't be done and they should be banned, blah, blah, blah. That's been, you know, Samantha Power was reeling against it for years and stuff, but now she's happy that they're... Jen Psaki went on record... Yeah. In 2016. No, no, that would be a war crime. Exactly. But now it's cool because Ukraine. Um, and, and in fact, I think I sent that one, Scotty. Uh, this is Biden actually said the quiet part out loud, apparently. Uh, I mean, it was. Again, this is something that at least now we have it from the president's mouth. So we don't have to wait for CNN to tell us that it may be the case that the reason that. Um, we're, there's, the US is sending cluster munitions to Ukraine is because the counteroffensive isn't going well and they've run out of other ammunition. So there's the last ditch effort. They're going into their war crimes stock. Uh, have a listen. He just got hit with two things. There. Like nice jolly music playing in the background. He's swanning through, huh? like looking up and going on. And he gets hit by two questions at once. That, like, you know, he's just just big, no big deal. One is any update on the cocaine at the White House, and why are you sending uh, cluster munitions to Ukraine? I've run out of ammunition. It's all good, though. See ya. That might actually be the answer to both questions. Yeah. I mean, we're not far from that scene in Scarface where he's all out of options. They're coming for him. He's in his office. There's just coke everywhere. They're going to burst down the door, and he's going to pick up a machine gun and go out like a martyr. Mm-hmm. I mean. Maybe that's more the case in Kiev but, than it is in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., but the same kind of vibes coming out of both things here. It's desperation, right? Plus munitions. We can't break through these defenses. Let's send everything <coughs> we've not, got. It's not even desperation. None of them are desperate. No? Right. There's nothing desperate. Like I've said before, none of this is personal to anybody, really. You know, If there's a personal element to it in, in terms of uh, kind of... Uh, um, yeah, personal, that it's somewhat personal, it would be on the Russian side. And the American side, it's not personal at all. It's, it's just about, it's business. War's a racket, and they're just carrying on. They're all having a laugh, you know what I mean? Like, he's at there some kind of, like, gala or something like that, but there's music playing, he's been faded. And yeah. He just brushes off cocaine at the White House, and, and you've run out of munitions in your, in your proxy war in Ukraine. Yeah, no big deal, we're going to send, uh, you know, illegal munitions to Ukraine. You know, it's good. See you later. Can't take any more questions. Got to go and uh, have a sleep. Got to go have my ass wiped. Yeah, yeah that's a direct my- quote from him, by the way. Not this week, but recently. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if he said that or not. No, he said my butt's been wiped. He walked up to a reporter outside the White House, and the, before he could ask here a question, he just went leaned straight into it and said, "My butt's been wiped." Are you sure? I have to look yeah. into that. I thought it was something. It was maybe it sounded doctor, like maybe sound, well, it sounded like that, but it wasn't like that. Uh, but what what is what is not what is not doctored is this one, and this is again carrying on as usual, uh, just you know doing the usual presidential things. You know, this is for uh, this is for Asian Americans, some kind of uh, award ceremony for Asian Americans. Um, this is Biden, and this is this is Biden. Yeah, uh, this is this is him. Have a listen. Included groundbreaking Asian Americans like Vera Wang and 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 Joan Shingang. I'm going to pronounce her Shanga Kawawa. Kawawa. God, somebody get this guy some cocaine. Shanga Kawawa. <laughs> Shanga Kawawa. That's going to be. That should be the new Kofifi, you know. Except 
Trump, on, Trump only typed that, you know. This is straight out of his mouth. Shanga Kawawa. That should be his answer to most questions. Like every time he has a press conference around, it's like, Mr. President, what about the, uh, any update on the, on the cocaine that found at the White House? Uh, Shanga Kawawa. They, okay, thank you. They use Kofifi mm. for six months running mm-hmm. to suggest that Trump be impeached because he's not mentally stable. Yeah. How many Kofifis daily do we get out of Joe Biden? Yeah. Like fucking daily. I mean, the guys. Anyway. We know that. Everyone knows that. And it's not Biden really in charge. Um, right now, there's this NATO summit. I think Biden's going to it in Vilnius, capital of Lithuania. Um, anything going to come out of that? What do you think is coming next? Uh, cluster munitions is one aspect of it. They're going to throw more at this? No, nah, well, let's talk about it. You know, this, this is where it's going to be announced that Ukraine's going to. Join NATO. Be yeah, invited, inducted into NATO. Start but start the process uh, of deferred, no, but no, but, but it's not going to happen. Well, obviously, Zelensky, you know, after snorting a big line of coke, you know, was like, yeah, it's going to happen, man. It's going to, it's really going to happen. They're going to let us in, you know, straight away. Like after at the summer, it's going to be announced. You're part of NATO, and then the day after Article Five, and the day after that, all NATO countries will be at war alongside Ukraine against Russia, and Russia will get beaten in three days and done, right? That's what's happening. That's what happens when you snort a load of coke. That's what you think. Uh, yeah. So, but apparently, it's not going to happen. Events kind of compress no. in your I mean, mind, you dra- know? Yeah, they drag it out, like, you know. I mean, they're just dragging it out. Uh, they don't care. They're not bringing Ukraine to NATO. They have no intention. The West has no intention of there being any direct conflict between Russia and NATO troops or a war spreading, or, you know. Well, America might and would not mind an escalation to the point that um, where there was some direct conflict between or contact between Russian and NATO troops because the whole point about this conflict, the backstory or the one of the motivations for this conflict was, as we've talked about before, was for America to secure the realm, at least the European part of its realm, and make sure that Europe European Union in particular, did not fall into Russian hands because that would be very bad for America. And they've gone, obviously they've, you know, that, that's been their agenda for quite a long time, really since that's part, it was part of Cold War One. basically was the main, the main reason for the first Cold War was to keep Europe in the West, right? And they've always they've feared that for 80 years, basically. Um, and in the last 20 years, when Putin came along and stuff, that the threat of that happening increased to the point that America started to shed its pants and culminated in this partly, for one part, in this action in Ukraine, which was to sour, obviously, forever more, hopefully, or they hope, uh, European-Russian relations. But they know that politics is just like, you know, know, what can appear to be serious uh, discord or... Intent, um, uh, serious intent, or, or, or serious, actual no, no war. serious animosity between countries, whatever, yeah. falling out, but very bad relations can be can be turned around overnight, almost can be turned around in a very short period of time. So America doesn't trust that uh, all of the actions is taken to vilify Russia and to separate Russia from Western Europe and to cut off obviously Russian gas, which is a major kind of connection between economic connection, which then allows for political connections between Russia and and Europe, European for a long time now being very dependent on Russia. 
stopping at the blow up Nord Stream pipeline just to draw a line under it. But so they're never they always they're always afraid. They think that okay that 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 solves the problem of keeping Europe and Russia separate and keeping Europe with us uh, in the short term. But that can like again that can change in a relatively short period of time. In five years that could all be. It could all be upturned, you know, and, and there could be yeah. uh, good relations can be reestablished. So they wouldn't have a problem, let's say, with really making sure that, you know, because the one thing that would probably sour relations for a longer period of time would be actual war between two countries, you know, direct war. Like, I mean, right now you can claim, you can you could say that Europe is in a certain sense at war with Russia via Ukraine, but that's still not direct. It's only when there would be some direct conflict um, that you might feel America would feel a bit more secure in its in its in in in, in keeping Europe separated from Russia okay. and from Eurasian integration, basically. So it's possible that they might want to want a conflict, um, some direct contact between you know, like provoke Russia or create try to create the situation where Russia might actually attack some European country. Um, I have the but I have the contender. Yeah. Um, okay, point taken. Between Mo- Washington and Moscow, there's no love lost. Okay, but there's also a, re- a real, more realistic real, appraisal real of politic, yeah. real politics. No mad, no nuclear war. No, <clears throat> no. This isn't NATO about to legally get Ukraine. Therefore, Russia's presence triggers Article Five. As much as Lindsey Graham blows mm. hard about that, but look at this. This is actually reporting. You can find many of these going back over the last six months um, from the Telegraph a couple of months ago. Poland builds Europe's largest land force to counter Russian threat. Mm-hmm. Um, the scale of their investment is is massive for a country of what twenty five thirty million people. They spent Who? something like eighty Poland Poland forty million forty million people. They spent eighty five billion on new equipment, mostly American, some South Korean this year. Mm. They have doubled. The size they have done a basically a mobilization. They've gone from one hundred and fifty thousand to three hundred thousand size force. Yeah. Um, they're basically in parallel with those mobilized troops in Russia, those new ones. That's going on in Poland at the same time. Mm-hmm. What I'm suggesting here is that while no mega scenario may be on the cards now, as much as people freak out about Article Five, this will have its own inexorable. Uh, Poland doesn't do that for the longer term unless it expects something, some action. It'll all be dressed up well, in well, it's defensive in case Russia attacks. You want me to say the phrase again? War's a racket. <laughs> There's motivation for for you know stealing from the public purse and shoving it into de- defense contractors. You know what I mean? Any mm-hmm. government will do it. Like you know, and war supposedly good for economies and all that kind of stuff. Or war, you know, building up for war is good for you know. Good for business, you know. There's obviously European arms manufacturers who are getting a lot of money from the Polish uh, public purse, and that's uh, providing increased jobs and increased taxes back to the government. You know, it's all okay, the money you don't goes see. The, you see the British complain about their decimated armed forces. You yeah. don't see them announcing we're, we're, we're doing a recruitment drive for a million. No, for the for the war, we keep talking that we we NATO need to have with Russia. No, but they talk the big talk. Not, it strikes me that they're pushing Poland into an actuality well, while they sit back and do nothing. If the Polish, if the Polish are, why are, don't they buy if, if billions the Pol- in U.S. weapons? Who the Brits or or, or, or you? No, they don't want to buy them. Up, they, they reindustrialize want, their own. No, they want to sell them to Poland. Yeah, 
They want Poland to buy American or, or British British weapons, right? Uh, to bolster their economy there and, and their defense industry. Um, and the Poles are obviously they're they're a good choice. Obviously, on the border, but they're not the only country in the border. You don't see the same thing happen with, with Romania. Uh, which is a, a sizable country, uh, but the Poles are particularly hysterical in terms of their anti the anti Russian sentiment. Uh, the, the, the Polish government and you know a significant percent of the Polish people, so they're they're most easily hystericized. Uh, so they're most easily, it's 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 easier to with a hysterical person, anti somebody who's taken with an anti anti Russian hysteria, they're more likely to loosen the purse strings on. Um, on the public purse, and look around and say, "Okay, listen, we need a load of we need a load of new weapons and a load of new equipment." Blah blah. blah. Where are we going to get it from? Well, there's French, British, Spanish, Italian arms manufacturers, and American, and South Korean. Yeah, so they're all happy to see uh, this happening. You know what I mean? They're all very happy. That's it's good for business. Uh, you got to be you got to in any analysis of this whole situation or any war, you have to apply a large dose of good for business uh, right. uh, interpretation into your, into your analysis, you know what I mean? Because that's ultimately, like, I mean, that Smedley... Smedley Butler. Smedley Butler, Wars a Racket. Yeah. It, 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 he wrote it, whatever it was, uh, yeah, 80 years ago or something, I'd say 70. Almost 100, yeah. 19, oh, it was 1930s. Oh, yeah, it was between the two wars. He retired because he, uh, he said and went blew the whistle. He'd been tapped up by Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan to stage a fascist coup, right. a military coup in the United States yeah. to to get back to mm-hmm. uh, to stop FDR's New Deal. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and what he was he what he was writing then applies forward, applied at the time, applies forward up until today, and applies back quite a long time as well. Yeah. Um, but the other aspect of what the Americans want to do in Europe is they want they, they're happy to if they can't if they can't get if they can't sour e- European Russian relations uh, even more via having some direct conflict between some direct contact between Russian forces and European forces uh, or, or attacks by Russia onto European territory. What they're already well, what's already well in, in progress is the further vassalization of European countries via their economies to America. Yeah. If the scenario beforehand was was that economic ties between Europe and Russia were growing because of European dependence on Russian gas, they've done a lot in the past couple of years, and especially in the last year, to, that trend. to turn that around into dependence on America. Yeah. And, so, and that involves destruction as much as possible of European economies or weakening of European economies to the benefit... To create a to, demand to the that benefit, looks westward. To the benefit of American economies, get Europeans hooked on American products, American oil, American energy sources rather than Russian. And at the same time, hopefully just... I mean, they know at this point they might have, might have some ideas beforehand, some fanciful ideas that they were going to ruin the Russian economy. I think they're probably realising that's not going to happen now uh, because Russia has you know can look, look east and can diversify and, 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 and keep their economy strong with the rest of the world, which is like the other 80% of the world, you know. Um, but um, they'd be happy enough with that, if you know what I mean. If they can force Russia to look permanently eastwards and never again look westwards, then they'll, they'll settle then for that. Then job's done. They'll settle for that, yeah. Another another NATO item, people probably remember that um, 
the NATO, the position of NATO Secretary General had been up for grabs. A uh, number of candidates put forward, not least Boris Johnson, ex-Prime Minister of the UK, and uh, Ursula von der Leyen, current EU president or whatever, unelected official president. You know, she's not a president, she's a bureaucrat. But check this out. Um, what they've decided to do is just to keep the ever-stultifying Stoltenberg to remain, who's going to do another term as Secretary General. It, this is super... I didn't actually check it out and find it in the Telegraph, but we've got here Afshin Ratsani. He's the guy who used to be an RT, um, the guy who presents Going Underground. And he's quoting um, the UK Telegraph to say that the United States had rejected the candidacy of Ben Wallace, current UK Defence Secretary, for the post of NATO Secretary General due to excessive support from for Kiev from the British Defence Establishment. About it, writes the Telegraph, Ben Wallace, Ben Wallace's candidacy was blocked by Washington, I presume. The Secretary of Defense was the favorite of a number of NATO member states, but there was significant tension with Washington, the de facto leader of the NATO alliance, due to his unpre- unprecedented support for Ukraine. That's like, no, that's Washington saying, no, he can't be because you Brits... You, I don't know, you're going too far, you're going too fast, you provoke Russia too much at the wrong time or whatever. I mean, that's, that's you're talking about like uh, actual hysterical true believers that Washington can, re- can rely on to change the geo-economic order in Europe. Well, the Brits, not just the Poles, the Brits can be relied on as well, but they actually have to be reined in because mm-hmm. they go too far. Yeah, it's a kind of economic bloodlust in a certain sense, you know, the, the the Brits have always seen themselves as not European because, you know, I suppose psychologically and geographically they're off off the coast of mainland Europe, so they've always seen themselves, you know, and there's been a lot of wars between over the centuries between the, the Brits and European powers and stuff. But um, the Brits, I think, have the same mindset of um, a kind of relative destruction or weakening of the European economies is to their benefit. Uh, and this process of conflict with Ukraine and what America's doing, America. So they both have, America and the Brits have the same attitude towards Europe. Basically, it's it's there to be looted and pillaged to their mutual benefit. But the Brits, again, realizing their, their proximity to Europe, see that uh, they have a, a kind of maybe a faster or an easier in you know what I mean, in terms of looting the European economies, i.e. taking up, um, making them dependent on the UK or whatever. And the Brits have always served as a kind of middleman anyway from the, in the city of London and, you know, financial institutions and all that kind of stuff. There's, it's basically, they see blood in the water in a certain sense. There's a feeding frenzy, you know, I think. And that's just being nice to them. That's leaving out any kind of pathological kind of like just... Drive to actually destroy Russia. Right, right. Well, <laughs> that may be the case in the city of London and Whitehall you know, a, a much more prosaic and classically um, imperial mm-hmm. view where they're not actually serious about destroying Russia. So, But the way it gets translated down mm-hmm. to, well, their, to. to their writers, here's an example in the lefty Guardian, which, you know, this guy we're about to show here was pretty much anti-Iraq war 20 years ago. Look at him now. He's commenting on this current NATO conference and summit and... Lithuania. 
Simon Tisdall, defeat for Ukraine would be a global disaster. NATO must finally step in to stop Russia. And what he means in the article, he's making the case for actual, enough with this, get Ukraine into NATO. De facto, Russia is therefore infringing or triggering Article 5, and, and we need all-out war. He's calling for all-out, actual full ground-scale ground war. He's another Russia. example. Is, is, he, is he following the usual, the usual line where he makes that statement? as a headline, that somehow uh, if, if Ukraine doesn't win, if Ukraine is, seen to, is defeated or seen to be defeated, that it's somehow a global disaster? Does he explain that? How is it a global disaster? No, he doesn't, he doesn't explain, he doesn't explain he, it. He, he, how do you get to, well, you can't use that headline <coughs> if you don't explain how it's going to be a global disaster. Well, is everybody just meant to know that it's a global oh, disaster? Oh, he does, excuse me. He says because if, you, if Russia gets to keep the four regions so far, through violence, it just took it, conquered it, uh, and that becomes the sta- that becomes the accepted the status quo, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Then everything else falls. China can do whatever it wants. Russia can just take whatever it wants, and then the whole world order is collapsed. So the he's whole like, world order, yes, or the, or the Western world order. I think the whole, all but, of it. So when China, but, of course, makes the, gains and Russia makes gains, then they collapse as well. Yeah, they collapse as a result of making gains. That's usually not the way it works. Usually they, they ascend if they win, no? And they become... Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, the, the West collapses. Oh, so global is the West. Yeah. The, the, so it's not The global. rules-based international order. Okay, I'm just looking at the headline, and he's positing that if little Ukraine doesn't win this conflict, then the whole world falls apart. That's what the headline seems to be saying. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to be, that's not what's going to happen. But, but he's a Westerner. For a Westerner, the whole world is the golden billion. It's, it's what, uh, what happens to us is the only important thing on this earth. So the whole world is 15% of the population? Yes. Okay. The, the other 85 can, you know, just wait Go in fish. line. Yeah. Go fish. Um, his yeah, final, final sentence, so he says, not the article, final sentence in that article, NATO must unleash its considerable considerable power to ensure Ukrainian victory. He's basically making the case, it's the pretense in this article is that that's not what they've been doing thus far. You know, um, basically NATO is all over this war. I for one agree, I think enough with the charade of pretending that the Ukraine is a war with Russia. It's Ukraine has been defeated four times over now at this point. Mm-hmm. It's, it's NATO. Mm-hmm. So he's basically, in a He's inadvertently arguing to just go official with this. It's, it's us against the Rus- the Ruskies. I think they should. They're not gonna. They're gonna. Be, he's, no. he's talking big talk, yeah. but the two chicken shits do that. But they should, ideally. They're all just consumed by the by the rhetoric. The media is just simply like he's an example. The media is just he's just mind programmed clown basically. You know, I mean, he can't think for himself. All he's doing is repeating. He's the the the, the warmongers at the top who are doing it for purely. Um, personal reasons of, of you know profit and and power for themselves is filtering down to him as this brain dead mouthpiece who just like a zombie just spins it in his own words and presents it as some kind of astute analysis when it's nothing more than he's he's done nothing more than suck at the up from the toilet bowl of Pentagon, Pentagon's collective 
Yeah, well, I, I think he... Uh, septic tank. <clears throat> probably majority of his compatriots see it the same way, though. You know, they fully internalize yeah, Putin. That we're, we're, we're reliving World War II. Putin is Hitler. And if we let him get away with this, there's no telling what will happen. We have to stop this now. And if we have to sink our economies to do it, you know. If we have to destroy ourselves. Um, yeah. The, you, there's an update on Prigozhin and Wagner. That's that's old news now, I know. But um, I thought it was interesting that the FSB was leaking twice this week uh, photos and footage of the stuff they found in Prigozhin's mansion in mm. St. Petersburg. You know, th- 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 there's no way Prigozhin is coming back from this. The fact that they're basically showing him what there was photos of him in disguise. Uh, Wigs, yeah. He looks a bit ridiculous. Uh, the, the gold bars, the cash, the really gaudy mansion. Like, living, yeah, he's been living, discredited. Yeah, living high in the hog. It's all this is the Russian government softening it up for trial by media. They're basically showing that he's just another oligarch. They're not rehabilitating him. No. He's done for. So, um, Let's see them aliens. Aliens? No, we'll have to do a different show. We'll, have to, we'll do a show on aliens. One show on aliens. Yeah? Yeah. Just one? Yeah. No. Well, one for now. Okay. Mm, there'll be more updates, I'm sure, in the future, but uh, aliens uh, have to be talked about. Quote yes. Unquote, quote, unquote, aliens. <clears throat> yeah, agreed. It's a, it's, a, it's a story that's as old as time. It's as old as, old as gods and goddesses. Yeah. Yep. Um, climate Armageddon. Ah, oh, Jesus. Don't be... I know. Don't be depressing me now, Neil. I know, but did... I can't do anything about that. I bought multiple electric cars and it didn't change anything. No, don't give up faith. You're, you're... Jesus, Joe, come on. I keep buying electric cars and nothing changes. No, it, it is changing. Just, just... I get fucking... I bought, the, I bought an electric car the other day and the next day there was a marine heat wave. It had no effect whatsoever. In fact, it had the opposite effect. I started to think that... Whenever I buy an electric car, it actually provokes uh, a heating of the planet. Yeah, I'm starting to think. Yeah. The more people buy electric cars, the more things heat up. Well, the more climate hysteria there is, the worse the climate seems to get, right? Mm. So last week's out- outbreak of it was seemed to be prompted by breathless media reporting about the hottest days on earth ever are. So this is one, this is actually from Medium, which is the guy's summarizing the news headlines on it. For four days in a row, mm-hmm. global media was saying, today's the hottest day ever. And then the next day, no, t- today, and then the next day, four days running. Mm-hmm. Is it any wonder you've got Greta's and school kids, you know, losing their Freaking shit. Out. And like, you have stolen my dreams. Well, it's, they're being hystericized from the top down. <clears throat> and it's based on, I don't know if it was NASA or the NOAA, some US government agency says, yeah, based on our records going back to 1979, the global daytime local locally recorded high temperature averages out. It, it, it varies between 12 and 16 degrees usually, but it broke 17 supposedly. Right. How they know that? It's based on 
freaking they don't even accumulate all the actual observations made because they were making breaking news on the day that was still the day was still day mm-hmm. like it was still it was still monday somewhere in the world and they were claiming that they, that they do it based on computer modeling of satellite data that's telling them where the hotspots are it's and it's anyway it's supposed to give you the impression that they have such a handle they're so scientifically competent and technologically competent that they can record in real time records being broken right so that's the impression you, mm-hmm. you the world's masses come away with when they see four consecutive days of headlines hottest day ever how do you know well right. we, we're totally on top of this thing and trust us it's, it's all science based okay so say you say you go with that it takes you a bit a lot a leap of faith but you go with that well there's the marine heat waves mm-hmm. and there was some reporting about that not as much as this blast of climate hysteria last week that is a genuine an interesting phenomenon that really did happen primarily in the North Atlantic, but also elsewhere simultaneously in the Mediterranean, even the Black Sea, the Baltic Sea, all around Europe. There, there was, uh, mm-hmm. now they, they showed it in <clears throat> bright red, like the freaking the seas were evaporating, you know, but still it was warmer than usual this time of the year, mm-hmm. especially actually off the, the Atlantic coast of Ireland. So, that's an interesting phenomenon. That's real. That's not. That did happen. It has already subsided, but whatever. It did happen. It took place throughout June. Right. Um, I, I I think it's probably connected to the actual weather patterns that took place in Europe. They were very strange. It was a kind of anticyclonic event with a lot of localized storms. We noticed that in France that the storms seemed to be coming from the east. They weren't the usual buildup from off the Atlantic with mm-hmm. the trade winds. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was a strange month for sure, and, and it showed up in the sea as well. What nothing is ever mentioned. The elephant in the room for me has got to be this. I don't understand. How there's not a single person with integrity, either who's just reporting on it or who does research, who's paid to do. Well, I probably just gave away the answer as to why they don't connect it, because their grants depend on not mentioning this elephant in the room. Here's an article from Science just two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, quote, it's just mind boggling. More than 19,000 undersea volcanoes discovered. That's from April 2023. I found another one from earlier this year. Um, 24,000 new undersea volcanoes discovered. We have a whole catalog of them on SOT going back the last two decades. There are are hundreds of thousands of recently discovered undersea volcanoes. Let's look at the first couple of paragraphs on this, okay? Okay. And you're like, what the hell has this got to do with it? But We'll read it. The U.S. submarines fleet fleet's biggest adversary lately hasn't been Red October. <clears throat> In 2005, the nuclear-powered USS San Francisco collided with an underwater volcano, or seamount, at top speed, killing a crew member and injuring most aboard. It happened again in 2021 when the USS Connecticut struck a seamount in the South China Sea, damaging its sonar array. With only one quarter of the seafloor mapped with sonar, it's impossible to know how many seamounts, which is basically a, a giant underwater volcano, exist, or mountain. It need not be active. But radar satellites that measure ocean height can also find them by looking for subtle signs of seawater mounding above a hidden seamount, tugged by its gravity. 
A 2011 census using this method found more than 24,000. High-resolution radar data have now added more than 19,000 new ones. The vast majority, 27,000, remain uncharted by sonar. It's just mind-boggling. So here you've got a scientist who's like admitting that there's something out there in the oceans that still surprises him that they don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, uh, let me just go to one more paragraph in this article. It's further down. Can you do a search for... Um, <clears throat> opens with... Uh, um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Conveyor belt. Do a word search for con- conveyor belt. Um, this paragraph. So the obvious connection, that screaming, I don't know how they don't... Ma- they. They, they, they studiously avoid it. It's the auto-censorship we talked about before. But this paragraph comes close to making the connection. But you'll see how they skive off it. It says, Nowhere will the new maps be as important as in understanding the ocean's globe-girdling conveyor belt of currents. The currents ferry heat from the equator to the poles, where the water cools and gains density until it plunges downward, carrying heat and carbon dioxide. Well, I don't know how much of that. That's That's the theory that atmospheric carbon dioxide which we produce is sequestered by the oceans and that's how the oceans are heating that's a major assumption but anyway the flip side of this well it is sequestered by the oceans but the vast majority of it comes from from um, from other sources natural sources of co2 it's not man-made even they know they 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 know that the vast majority of of co2 on the planet or produced by the planet comes from natural sources Yes. They're just saying that we produce enough to kind of the tipping point or over the edge yeah, or too much, blah, blah, blah. So any carbon dioxide produced by humans is also sequestered by the oceans. Yes, but the, and, but the major source of that CO2 above ground is volcanoes. Yeah, of course, that's what I'm saying, natural sources, yeah. But where I'm going with this is they don't know. They don't know this. They have a range. It's the uh, best range. Underneath, yeah. 75% to 90% of all volcanoes on Earth are, are underwater. Yeah. Three quarters of those of which they... They're guessing they're there. Yeah. They don't know. Two American submarines <clears throat> crashed into them because they, they weren't chartered. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. One of them almost sank. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they, okay, it's so a bit more from that paragraph. Um, <clears throat> this is how close they get to making the connection. Um, the the upwelling, that's the upwelling of, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The upwelling of waters around these seamounts, volcanoes, uh, was once thought to happen evenly across the ocean, yeah. driven by turbulent waves at boundaries between deep ocean layers of different densities. Now, now researchers believe it's concentrated at seamounts and ridges. So that's a very interesting anecdote, yeah. But they also say in the same article that, um, oh, w- there's, they quote some scientists saying, you know, it's really important that we get down there and map these things yeah. so that we can, quote, protect the biodiversity around these seamounts. Like, how, how, do they, how do you end up thinking that? Clearly, the risk factor comes from how many of these things yeah. are erupting. Send them down and make more of those Titan subs and send them down. You know the one for the Titanic? Make a bunch of them and send people down to look at the volcanoes. No, yeah, obviously, I mean, what you're saying is your point is that it's, it's quite possible that the, the increase in heat and, and marine heat waves, uh, the most recent one, and general heating, let's say, of the oceans is probably has a lot to do with an increase in volcanic activity uh, under, the, under the ocean. 
Definitely. And no one... And like, you're not allowed to say that because it's man-made, right? We're all being distracted with the idea that it's all our fault. Exactly. And buy an electric car. And that's why I'm not going to buy any more electric cars because clearly, now that you've said that it's the, the volcanoes um, under the ocean, uh, there's no point in me buying electric cars. So um, maybe I'll buy one of those submarines and see if I can go down and fix, fix the problem. Buy yeah. a Titan sub. <laughs> Uh, <coughs> it's not just yet, a, it's not just a media extinction hit. rebellion. Put a bunch of them in one of those subs and send them send them down to check it out. Those extinction rebellion people, yeah, who are throwing paint on buildings. It's much better use of their time would be to get in one of those subs down to the, down to the sea mount, the volcanoes, yeah, and check and it out. Plug it if it's Maybe erupting. Sh- plug it. Whatever, dude. Yeah, sort it out. Like, um, so it's. I think the, there's two things going on here. There's the media hystericizing people about climate slash weather, whatever stance people take on that, okay? It's open. But it's more than just that. This is more than just... The the, the people who are skeptics tend to go, come on, there's nothing... It's fine. Yeah, weather changes and shit, but it's purely a hysterical thing with no anchor to reality at all. Mm -hmm. That's not the only thing that's going on. I think people are picking up also... The main thing that gets a headline is this fractional increase in the global average temperature Mm -hmm. such that they can have amazing headlines. Wow, today was the hottest day ever. Actually, no, since 1979 when we began to collate this data. Mm -hmm. But it's a really insidious program because it, it, one, hystericizes you, but two, it also conveys to you that we have the science and the tech and we are observing the whole planet and we've got all eyes on the ball. They mm. don't. They don't know how many volcanoes are underwater and how many of them are freaking active. Yeah. They have no clue. Well, uh, they, we just heard the guy in science. It's mind-boggling. Okay, have a look at this. This happened in Zaragoza. I think simultaneously they're being hystericized from the media, but they're, they're also picking up these videos that go viral of local extreme weather events that are unusual. You, everyone saw these. The media didn't report too much about this one, but this is one example that goes virus socially because people are freaked out when they see what happened in Zaragoza, Spain last week. Oh, that's old-fashioned car surfing. That guy there, he's doing it right. He's winning. Yep. Well, we shouldn't be too... Uh, was anyone killed? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, that's one. Here's here, and it was caused by a major supercell that I don't know if anyone's seen photos of it, but it, it looked very much like the kind of supercells that form on the mm-hmm. on the open plains in the United States. You don't see that much in Europe, but that happened in. Coastal Spain, well, it's Spanish interior, but Zaragoza is not, not that far from the, the Mediterranean coast. Here's another one, unrelated in any direct sense. Two days prior, a storm um, pretty much came out of the blue. It didn't come across in the normal um, Atlantic way. It kind of came more from the north, from the, um, the North Sea and slammed into mostly the Netherlands. This storm was interesting because it was, I believe, at least in the modern age, the strongest ever summer storm Mm -hmm. in the Netherlands and western Germany. Mm -hmm. 
two people killed on the spot that, that we know of at the time, maybe more since then. Hundreds, thousands of trees knocked down. It came out of nowhere, and there's footage of it. It's very much like a hurricane-type shape. Mm-hmm. And it came up out of nowhere and smacked. And that we, should not happen in we, July. We, but we had the same, about a week before that, we had the same, basically, there were two of them over, one over France and one over uh, over Germany. Uh, a week beforehand, those big, looking like kind of hurricane cloud type thing, but not rotating, you know, but it's like a supercell or something like that. And it just unleashes massive amounts of rain and in a very short period of time. And, oh, um, yeah, yeah, that photo. And, and, and the radar photo of it. Yeah, yeah. We had exactly the same thing yeah. actually right right near here and further northeast here over over northeastern France and Germany uh, a week beforehand. So, it's, yeah, it's more, 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 more and more common, you know. But that's, I mean, if you have a heating of the oceans and you have more evaporation, which means more precipitation, you know, uh, and a changing in the weather patterns, you know, obviously probably that kind of heat... Uh, Evaporation from the oceans, more more rainfall, and probably more storms. Um, you start start getting kind of it's it's starting to look like kind of monsoon type weather. You know what I mean? Where you have you know dry period for a while, and then all of a sudden a large amount, and it's been happening increasingly over the past number of years in Europe, where the like the monsoon area is kind of like around the more or less at the level of the equator in different parts of the planet around the equatorial regions, but it's almost like that that climate pattern has, is moving further north where in places like uh, Western Europe and, and, and the same latitude across America and across Asia where you don't have monsoons, you're getting kind of monsoon-like effects, um, yeah. which is sudden massive downpours on relatively dry ground. Um, in places, places where monsoons are normal, they've been like that for a very long time, so the ground and the... And the, the People who live there and stuff it, are, are used to it. You know, it's, it's it's set up to deal with that kind of um, uh, that kind of weather patterns. But further north, um, just not used to it, and it's going to be pretty pretty hairy. Yeah. Climate change is such a bait and switch. <clears throat> you know, they want you hysterical, but only about the specific version of it mm-hmm. they want to shove down your throats. They they prefer they they don't amplify the actual crazy footage. Hmm. They make reference to it. There might be a piece about, have you seen, notice all the extreme weather, the Guardian. and it, But they don't, you'd think they would actually jump on these videos mm-hmm. as proof of man, right? They don't. Mm-hmm. The news last week was, it's really hot out there. In fact, it's the hottest day ever. But yeah. people, you could be locally in, in London, England going, it's, not. it's 12 degrees. It's, it's pissing rain. It's, well, they're saying globally. They're trying to tell you it's they're a global phenomenon. It's a global problem. It's not about one specific place. It's saying that the, that the planet that day and the day after was the hottest it's ever been, averaged all over. Because it's a global problem. And it's what what's the main thing that's global in nature other than all those other animals and plants and stuff? Humans. They're the ones who are uh, responsible for it because you've got a global phenomenon. What else is global? Humans. Right? right? Just don't think any further than that, okay? Right. There's a clear association. It's our fault. Anyway, on that mode of, note of madness, I think I'm going to leave it there for this week. You can carry on if you want, but... Uh, okay, me, me and Scotty were You staying. and Scotty can carry on. I'll leave you with... I'm going to leave you with a joke. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, did you know that Moses was the first man with a tablet who downloaded data from the cloud.
Do you know that, Scotty? That's a techie joke. Uh, anyway, so we've been here before, obviously, you know. Uh, yeah. The, the answers are, are, are to be found in the Bible, apparently. Anyway, um, yes, so we're going to leave it there for this week, folks. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for watching. Thanks for commenting. Uh, don't forget to, you know, push buttons and stuff. Because... Um, we want you to um, yeah and we'll be back with another show next week on whatever nonsense has been going on between now and then and like I said we'll do we'll schedule set up maybe next week we'll set up a, or maybe the week after we'll set up you'll be on your own then an alien show maybe I should do the alien show on my own yeah um, um, yeah so stay tuned for that uh, yeah so have a good one wherever you are and whatever thanks for watching have fun. bye, bye. All. Can't stop the signal now.